Welcome. You're listening to the Well Engaged podcast, an unscripted conversation between myself, Gareth Shackleton, and osteopath Paul Tootleman about health, well-being, engagement in life and business. We go off-piste, we go here, there, and everywhere. So strap up, buckle in, and get ready for a wide-ranging discussion about all things about life. Enjoy. And good morning, everybody. You're listening to Well Engaged on Lionheart Radio, 107.3 FM with Paul and Gareth this fine Friday morning. Uh, the sun's shining and we're raring to go with some chat about health and well-being and engagement in life and business. I'm saying we're ready and, 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 and engaged and raring to go, <laughs> but my co-host has just disappeared. No, I'm still here. I'm just here. I'm floating around. I'm, I'm I'm trying to not show you the fact that I've just overpressed the cafetiere of coffee and it's all shot out the sides and uh, spilt all over everything. But that's life, you know. That's what happens. If you have coffee from a cafetiere, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know. I do. When, yeah. Yeah. When you plunged it, it's gone shooting out of the spout. It's gone shooting out of everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> except for where I wanted it to go. But there we are. That's life. Very good. So how are you this morning, Paul, besides your coffee disaster? Oh, the coffee disaster. Well, yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. I'm tired, you know, but it's a good tired, you know, I've been working hard. This is the, this is a very strange thing, Gareth, but this is the best month I've ever had work-wise. The best month you've ever had. Yeah. Two reasons, right? It's been, it's been the best month I've ever had it. A, in terms of the income that I've managed to generate, which has been amazing. Um, all on the back of zero marketing mm-hmm. and um, the feedback that I'm getting from people a is a lot more forthcoming people are really open and honest about the work that's being done and people are really grateful for the work that's being done and we're doing really 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 good work with good results so it's like okay now it strikes me right all the times that I've ever worked in clinics where Every time I've ever joined a clinic, it's always become apparent within about two weeks that the clinic is in trouble, mm. which I never knew before I joined the clinic, but it's like, all oh, right, okay. And now I understand those people's mistakes is that those people were trying to save their business by growing out of trouble, right? which is, is just disaster because you, you just end up creating more chaos. Um, but the thing that I've noticed is that when I've joined, everybody's been in a state of stress. Mm-hmm. and so I come in and I think I've just been used to being the distraction from it all because it's like oh this guy's going to come in and he's, he's going to change it it's, it's going to be the one that saves it all and it's like nah. <laughs> I never was I never have but I've just been used to that environment and so mm-hmm. um, I was chatting with my best mate whose birthday was yesterday and uh, he's a fireman and I was asking him how he's going and he says he's just totally nailed this like uh, promotion course and getting great feedback and he doesn't want the promotions but he's having to take them Mm -hmm. he says how's it going for you i said this is the best month i've ever had work-wise you know 20 years of practice (laughs) it's like it's crazy isn't it and he's just pointed out the fact that you know sometimes when it all goes really weird some people step up and some people step back yeah 
and 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 I just thought, yeah, that just tallies up with something I was thinking a couple of weeks ago, like with regards to all the osteopaths that, have, that are still shut now, and um, you know they closed on day one, and, and they're I still just, shut. Wow. and they're still shut now, and it's yeah. like, well, well, what are you then, like, because clearly you're not you're not an osteopath, otherwise you'd um, you wouldn't have shut in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'd be there helping you know, people in a time of need. Interesting. So, yeah, good point about business. He's up and you should have been there with your osteopathic principles, showing people the, the alternative. Yeah. The, uh, the internet just broke up there again, Paul. You're having a problem with the internet. internet again. It is. We are. We are. And it's all a ploy to get us to demand 5G. Yeah, let's not go into that one. Not look of disappointment. The look of disappointment in people's faces when it breaks down. Can you just get 5G and all this will be over? Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll shift over a bit. Right, okay. We did better when I was sat over here. Keep rolling. Okay. Well, while you're moving... If you, while you're moving, I'll uh, I'll come back to that point you made about uh, growing businesses to get out of trouble, and it never works. Yeah. And I think yeah. you know the point there is it, it doesn't work when the fundamentals are wrong. You know, you can't just grow a, a fundamentally flawed business model. Uh, it very rarely works. You've got to have the fundamentals right, and it sounds like that's what was going on there. So. Uh, in all of those practices that you were talking about. It's, uh... So, um, we're still having problems with the internet. So let's let's go to a, a track and we'll try and fix the internet problems while you're listening to a song and then we'll come back after this. And welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Well Engaged with Paul and Gareth uh, this fine Friday morning. Uh, hope you enjoyed the track there as we got the internet sorted out. And we're back now uh, talking about health and well-being and engagement in life and business. Paul, you were just saying how uh, the last month has been your best month ever. It has been the best month ever in terms of the numbers of people that I'm seeing and in terms of the work that I'm doing and the results that we're getting. And the feedback that's coming in as well so yeah. it's amazing because it's so really really buzzing yeah. it's really easy to uh, it's really easy to do the things that were difficult before the, the principal thing is to say well actually now that you, you're feeling really good you know, I really need you to go and tell your friends and family that I'm here and that I'm open and everybody's got and it's like you remember you turn um once taught me about how you turn a prospect into uh, a, 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 a suspect, into a prospect, uh-huh. into a customer, into a into a into a, into a repeat yeah. customer, into a into and then they become these raving lunatic fans. <laughs> oh, just raving fans. It feels like I've sort of got <laughs> quite a lot of people up to that level of raving lunatic fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, 
Or, or just raving fans um, call them lunatics? Well, I, I, no, 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 no. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Maybe that was a bit of a, a poetic embellishment by me. But yeah, yeah no, right. raving fans who someone's going to go out and sing the praises and recommend you to their friends and family, and and uh, but not in a sort of crazy, sort of psychotic ways. Sort of like if if their friends and family are cause uh, having problems. Sophia, out, please, darling. Come on. If the if the friends and family have started to talk about their usual aches and pains, yeah. Now they've got a really credible story that they can say. Well, actually, this this guy's open and he's he's doing work and it worked for me and you should give me a try. Yeah. And, uh, That's interesting. So, I'm, I'm finding a, a similar thing. Your clients are setting bigger goals than they they have before. They're more open to change and to trying different things and. Uh, and getting some remarkable breakthroughs and um, uh, results, outcomes as a result. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good time for, for many people. Real optimism about. Yeah, 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 like totally, totally. And they, when I make the mistake of looking at the media and listening to the news, oh. It's just dire, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just even worse than gloom. And it's like, hang on a minute. I mean, things are pretty good, like, for us and the family, they're all right. And then, but occasionally you'll get a patient coming back into the fold, right? Somebody who, somebody who did have an appointment, say, during the lockdown, but they cancelled mm -hmm. it because they were doing what the government said. And then they come back into the fold because they're, they're you know, they're now four months down the line of, of, of being back to their old symptoms mm. and uh, but they're coming in and and they're, they're, they're really paranoid and they're really scared and they're confused about the fact that I don't wear a protective mask or, or, or protective gloves yeah um, and uh, they, they, they want me to wear it and they want to wear it so they come in and um, and you, you, you're now spending that first half an hour just, just letting them get all this thing off their chest, just letting them get the fear out of the way. And then you just mm. remind them facts about, you know, what actually works with spreading disease and what doesn't work with regards to spreading disease. And they still look at you like you're bonkers. And in the early stages of all of this, it was like, well, okay, I don't want to lose customers at all. I don't want to lose patients. Mm. But I now see that I now see that lockdown basically drew a line underneath everything that I'd done. And, um, and it's like, yeah, I, I see how I've let my patients down. Everybody that I've been working with for those first 20 years, I've let down because I didn't educate them properly about health and disease. I tried. Mm. Uh, I tried, but um, I, I didn't persist with it enough. Because if I had, none of them should be scared by now, right? They, they, they should be there. And then, and then it struck me, like, if people are coming in wearing face masks, right, because they're really scared about it, right, these people shouldn't be coming outside at all. Right, I mean, in the garden, yes, but they shouldn't mm. be going into towns or cities or shops or anything like that. If you if you if you're that scared that you want to wear a face mask because you believe that that's going to help you not spread the disease, um, you shouldn't be out, right? Because you're still operating from that fear filter of fear, which is going to be suppressing and hampering your immune reactions, which means you're much more likely to contract something. Well doesn't mean that you're more likely to contract something. The, the chances of contracting it are always the same. But the, the, pro, the chances are that your immune system can deal with it really quickly and effectively, probably mm -hmm. without you even knowing. And so people just don't 
they just don't um, thrive when they're when they're constantly in that bubble of fear, right? So that that just has to go. Right? <laughs> the, the the fear has to go, right? Because that's what's going to hold people back, right? And the government's going, oh, we're getting a second wave. It's like, well, yeah, but we we, we knew that was going to happen, yeah. right? It's really obvious that that was going to happen. So why are we scared about it if we know it's going to happen? And why are we continuing to run around putting masks on? Which uh, I think is a controversial topic, much like the vaccine debate. But you know, it's a simple bit of research, isn't it? I mean, what's the size of a what's the size of an average virus? Do you think? No, oh, I, I don't know the numbers, but we're talking angstroms rather than uh, or nanometers. Yeah. Ten yeah. angstroms. So, um, and is yeah. a nanometer bigger or smaller than a micrometer? Smaller, a thousand times smaller than a micrometer. Yeah. So, viruses range. They average. They go from sort of twenty nanometers to sort of five hundred nanometers, right? Yeah. And the size of the hole in your mask is like twenty-three micrometers. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know how that scales up, but I mean, it's like the world is a big place right but the sun is big on a different scale yeah <laughs> it's like the world is big yeah. but only in reference to you compared to the sun the earth is really really small and that's the, basically what it's like with your face mask right i mean you've got yeah. holes in it the size of the sun and you've got viruses the size of the earth so it's like why bother you know yeah and i think there's there's an element of it 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 will trap some of the, you know, the virus that's um, loaded into particles, you know, in, into water droplets, in, into breath droplets. Um, you know, a lot of what we breathe out is water vapor and uh, mucus droplets, that kind of thing. And particularly if you're coughing, you know, it's going yeah. to come out as sputum and in those kinds of droplets. And, and the mask will trap that. But you're right, a, a free-floating viral particle on its own uh, in the gaseous form is not going to be trapped by a 20-micron pore. Mm. We go straight through that. So Yeah. But I guess if it, if it traps some, isn't that a good thing? If, it, if it's you know, 20 to 80% effective, which are the, some of the numbers I've seen, I know that's a big variety, you know, blocking 20 to 80 percent of the the viral transfer mm -hmm. isn't that a good thing not really because it's like you know if you've got a flood right coming into your house right um you know and you're busy trying to fill up the cracks in the front door and meanwhile the water's coming in through the back door right so now you've got to go to the back door and while you're doing the back door something else happens and it comes in through the windows and it's like <laughs> now your first defenses at the front door start to give way and it's like you can't it's like pushing back the tide right yeah. it's like um yes we could fixate on trying to stop the prevent and the spread of the disease right which is clearly the route that we've all taken and clearly is yeah. a route that works least effectively because a, there isn't really much compliance, so we're really, really bad at stopping the spread of the disease in this country, right? Um, but again, like we, we could be channeling all that time and energy and, and, and resources into learning how to acquire it and, and live with it, which is the yeah. goal, right? The goal is about acquiring it and living with it, and the, the sooner that gets done, 
um, the sooner things can go back to normal, like properly normal. And we will know that we've taken the, the most effective path to, to acquire immunity to it. And people mm -hmm. say, well, yeah, but it's all right for me because I don't have health, one, health issues with my loved ones. Well, my dad's had, I think he's had three or four heart attacks. He's had two stents. He's had varicose veins removed from his legs. He's got really, really terrible lungs. He's like, it's not a picture of health, my dad, at all. If you ever met my dad and you think, how did you have him as a son, right? Probably why I ended up getting into this in the first place. Um, but he's been going to work every day. You know, he's 75 and he, he chooses to work because of yeah. retirement. He's done it three times and he hated it every more. Each time he retired, he hated it each more. It's like, I just, I just can't not work. He's like, it's just, I'm not happy. I'll make your mum unhappy and I'm much better off at work where I've got purpose, I've got a usefulness. And he says, I like it. I like getting up and having a purpose to my day. Mm. and uh, he's on various different heart medications he still smokes about 20 a day right <laughs> and he's out there right he's on the front right, in every sense of the word right but he's out there on the front line doing it interacting mixing with people in shops so it's not like they're places where people don't go right no problem at all Right, mm -hmm. because he's not scared, right? He, he knows what he's doing, he knows what his role is, he knows what his mission is. He understands the principle about how important it is to, to get out and, and interact and mix. And so I think, well, okay, I could be worried about him, and I might, I might have to eat some humble pie if it, something does ever happen to him. He does mm -hmm. die of COVID, I'll be like, oh, that was a shame. But again, it's, you have to expect it, it's high risk, right? So, um, I could choose That's the thing that we all have to reconcile ourselves with as individuals is that, you know, taking this approach, well, as you say, it's impossible to, to stop it 100%. Um, some people will, will contract the virus anyway. Mm. But if we're going to take the approach of, well, it's better to be exposed to it and to, to have the contract the disease and then fight it off then we have to reconcile ourselves with the fact that some of us won't fight it off yeah and as an individual yeah. that could be you it might not be you it, yeah it might be i could get it and my immune system might be incapacitated to the point where i don't have the vitality to deal with it for yeah. sure absolutely and the result of that is that i would be dead and so my suffering is over do you know what I mean? I haven't lost anything. It's like, I don't remember falling asleep last night, so I'm definitely not going to have a conscious memory of dying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, kind of sounds cold and callous, but if you think about it, the whole furlough scheme, right, indirectly is, is a selection process. I think I mentioned this either last week or the week before, right? So if you're not back from furlough now, and there are colleagues of yours that are, what that means is, is that your boss doesn't see you as a constructive, creative, productive, helpful member of the team as much as the people who are already back. Yeah? Mm -hmm. The football captains on the school playground have already picked their best players and they're already back at work and they're yeah. probably doing it from home. So those employers have now, I mean, the two biggest costs to any business that's employing people are your staff and your premises, right? Mm -hmm. well, well, now you've just shown that you can get rid of your premise costs and you've also shown that you can get one third of your workforce to do as good, if not better, job than the whole workforce working in a place. Mm -hmm. So you ain't going back. 
right? And the chances are you're going to find it difficult to find employment because the next employer is going to say, well, how come you, you want a job here? Oh, I was on furlough from my last job and I never went back. And they're like, well, okay, if your old boss doesn't want you back, there's reasons why he doesn't want you back. Do I really, that should be number one on your selection system for your new staff, right? And that's yeah, cruel and it sounds callous and it's, Again, it, it is for most people already. You know, most businesses would prefer to recruit someone who's already in a job rather than someone who's unemployed. Yeah. Right. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Because Absolutely. that selection process has been revealed. We didn't, we didn't know about it, but you kind of stumbled across it as a result of the furlough scheme. Right. So there's an example of selection. Right. And so, yeah, maybe I get the. the virus maybe i've already had it but if i haven't had it and i do get it and i suffer with it and i die that part of the selection process and maybe i got it wrong maybe i got it all wrong this time about how health works uh, and i've been i deserve to die <laughs> or maybe i haven't got it wrong because i've been lining up my principles in accordance with with what nature's been doing for millions of years right and um and it just happens to be the fact that there's no fear household there's yeah. a lot of love in this household um i could i could about the people in my but the fact that most people in my family who are high risk are already proving that fear isn't affecting them because they're getting up and they want to go out and do the job means i don't have to worry about them if they're not worrying about it i don't have to worry about it and i'm not expecting my parents to live forever i'd love them to but i'm not naive it's it's just such a very different attitude, isn't it? A very different way of looking at life. All the time that all this work's been going on. I think we had a bit of a glitch there in the yeah, I suppose it is. Okay. Say say again. Can you hear me? Should we should we should we take a break? Take uh, a break for a song and just recalibrate our internet with a nursery rhyme. Let's do that. I'll speak to you uh, back after this tune. Okay. And welcome back. You're listening to Paul and Gareth with Well Engaged on Lionheart Radio 107.3 FM. Do get in touch if you'd like to join the conversation with your questions or topics of conversation. Uh, if you'd just like to get involved, let us know what you're thinking. Um, before the, the break there, we were just talking about, what were we talking about? Well, um, we were talking, I was kind of talking about the, the role of fear fear that's right and how how influential that is in in determining people's health to a much 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 larger extent than um, the kind of uh, measures that the government seem to be fixated on in terms of providing surgical masks yeah. right or making sure that people wear surgical masks so it's just questioning the the decision making process and and the reasons why a government might go for a mask as opposed to right yeah. So uh, it just seems some really obvious components to this that could, could provide solutions. And, and one of the examples was about my, my dad, who is you know, well over the age of retirement, but chooses to go to work because he, he sees the benefit of it for him, mm. right? Mm. Um, and um, you know, he, doesn't, he doesn't need the money. He just needs to not lose his, his sanity, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why he does it. Purposefulness and that role that he's got, and 
and the fact that it's of service to particularly with the food distribution chains which are really prominent mm -hmm. at the moment because lots of people are doing their shopping online yeah um that that sense of purpose and, and and that service of others gives him that ability to get up and go and face it and he probably has moments where he's he's, he's apprehensive about his health but because he's got a role and he's of service to others, he can use that to combat the fear. If you've got a purpose, you know, if you have a real, if you believe that you're on a mission for God, then you have no fear over what comes your way because you know that you'll be able to deal with it, right? Yeah. But how many people have had their sense of purpose removed and how and now in aim because they're not back from furlough? And how many people feel disempowered because they've just been doing as they're told? And now at the end of all of this, well, I say the end of all of it, with regards to going back to work, right? They have done nothing in this furlough scheme to improve their chances of, of getting another job. Yeah. They'll have just been sitting down, getting addicted to Netflix, getting addicted to sitting down and not working. Um, and it's like you get to the end of the summer holidays and, and now you realize you haven't done any of your homework, right? Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's like, but now there's not enough time to do all the homework. So now what are we gonna do? And there's more panic and more stress and more fear. So of course we're going to have, we've got lower immune functions because of increased fear. You're just opening up the gate for reinfections. Yeah. You say, oh, because people are interacting and people aren't wearing masks. It's like, no, it's not. It's because people are scared and people are confused mm. because none of this makes sense. Yeah. So stop confusing people. Stop scaring people and teach people how to do it. If people could be sitting indoors all day watching TV, the government could go along and say, right, okay, well, look, all this council land that never gets used, right? We can just turn that into ground that's for development for people to produce their own crops. People could go out, they could dig over the ground, they could grow their own vegetables. Mm -hmm. There's a purpose to that, right? Food's really important, yeah? There's a purpose to that in the sense that eating natural whole food is really, really healthy for you. Mm -hmm. There's a purpose in that in the sense that you'll be spending more time outdoors in the sunshine. Yeah. The purpose in that is that you'll be socializing with other people who are in the same category as you on a social level, interacting with these people. You start to look out for their welfare. You'll be learning about how to grow vegetables from our people who've been doing it before. Mm -hmm. right? And now we've got food production. Now you've got health um, assurances and you've reduced fear. That would be a worthwhile project that would save people yeah. in more ways than one. Um, and you could be looking at similar schemes to, to, to try and claw back some of the manufacturing and production services that we, we just give away to China all the time and say, okay, well, is there anything that we can do here about getting people jobs to start making stuff again? Mm -hmm. So well, that might sound grandiose and don't live in the past, Paul. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure I had older people than me who were wiser than me, who knew more, more of them than I did, of talking about when Britain, Britain great, apart from all the imperialism, you know, you can't have a good army if you haven't got good production. Yeah. Um, and so there's, you know, and that's just sort of simpleton thinking off the top of his head about schemes that would improve people's health uh, and reduce the fear component. But we don't have that. We don't have any of that. There's no leadership. There's no leadership. Well, you know, instead there's no leadership. I, I think there's mark, leadership, which is fine. Yeah, I think there's leadership. It's just leadership from a very different point of view, a very different attitude about what's important and where where life is. And that that's not saying they're right and you're wrong, or you're wrong and sorry, you're right and they're wrong. 
Um, maybe I just said the same thing then. It's a there's leadership, but just for from a very different set of values. So, what are the values? The current leadership model. Then, what do you think they are? It's almost irrelevant, but given that um, you know it's their values, and but it's leading to the behaviours that they they are uh, perpetuating. And, and and as you say, one of them is fear. One of them is we can control people by perpetuating the fear. You know, yeah. for me, as you've said, you know whether masks are effective or not, and that they have some effectiveness at stopping transmission of diseases. Otherwise, you know, why would we use them in see them in hospitals all the time? <laughs> you know, just to make it very simple, and you can argue against that if you want, but that's not my point. The real, you know, one of the reasons why masks are being used or being pushed at the moment. In my, to me, is to keep this in the public eye, because you know, as we've come out of lockdown, lockdown was a very simple mechanism for saying to people, "There's a problem here. Stay indoors. Don't go out. Stay away from work, um, and we'll we'll get through this." Uh, and that kept people contained. But now, as we've started to let people out, you know, we've seen very clearly. Over, you know, over the last month or so, that that releasing of people also released some of the fear and released some of the, um, you know, the control mechanisms around isolating from people, being cautious about spreading germs and disease. What the mask does is makes that very clear again. It's very visible demonstration that you have to, that this is still a problem. And whether it is a problem or not, you know, that depends on your attitude, as you've talked about. But from the government's point of view, this is a problem that they want to control. And one way of doing that is to keep it in the public eye and the masks do that. So, um, so the solution is to, well, okay, okay. So the mask is there as a symbol of, mm. of, um, of what of the government's plan the government the whole government's plan to to to, to eradicate this problem yeah is to use something which is like be like trying to catch a piece of dust mm -hmm. with an onion bag right but, but it's, just, you know you're right well you may be right but that's been your argument all along that this is a futile exercise. So why why does it surprise you that they've implemented another mechanism that's futile? I suppose it's just acknowledging the fact that there's been another um, incompetent decision made by people who clearly don't wear the masks themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Every time you see a politician talking, either you ain't wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. And uh, I suppose in my, my mind, what, is, what I'm doing is I'm just creating a, a, a sequence, a catalogue, some sort of record of, of the incompetence and say, well, actually, do you know what? If, if you can be this incompetent and get to become the leader of the country or you know, become a cabinet member, like clearly, like we, we talk about systems in business to improve the performances and improve the efficiency and to improve communication, to make sure that businesses can work well, because mm. 
we're all about having well-engaged human beings, right? Mm-hmm. Human beings who are engaged in the moment of what they're doing. They're doing it because it's something that connects with them and they really love that kind of work. And consequently, if they're engaged at work, time flies, they're working seamlessly with their colleagues, they're all facilitating and helping each other, and that doesn't stop at work, of course, goes into the home. And now you're engaging with your kids and you're engaging with your wife and you're engaging with your finances and you're engaging with all the things that are important to you, right? In a level which is, you know, significant and helpful. You know, most people don't engage in the workplace, right? They'd rather be somewhere else. They'd rather be doing somewhere else. And then they go home and then they'd rather be somewhere else rather than talking to their wife or their kids because they'll just sit down and watch TV. And they won't discuss the important things. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because while I accept what you've said, I think a lot of you know where, where you say it's incompetence, I would I would tend to say it's more that they have a different set of beliefs than you, and they're yeah. being competent at putting in place strategies and plans in accordance with their beliefs, whether that's yeah. right or wrong, and, and it certainly doesn't agree with you, but that that's their competence. Yeah. So I suppose where I. The, the, yeah, you've, well, well done. Yeah, you put a very objective sort of light on there. And then I think that, you know, the other thing is, and I think the other part of your argument then is that they're effectively disengaging people uh, by, with fear, because fear will do that. Fear will disengage people. Yeah. And, you know, I accept that argument as well. But on the other hand, I see evidence that the opposite is happening in in the workplace estimates of employee engagement are going up for the first time in over a decade i think because people are more engaged in being part of something there's more purpose now you know a lot of companies during the lockdown had to change what they were doing um, and provide solutions to a problem that had just arisen and that's exciting and that's engaged people and then other people you know wants to be part of supporting the economy so they've tried to go back to work they've come off furlough they've been productive members of of the team because they want to be part of that as well you know this has created purpose now that's not necessarily of the government's making although some of it is you know the, the economic downturn that we're facing now is, is directly the government's um, of the government's making and people want to be engaged in being part of the solution of, of reversing that and it's creating massive engagement outside of the workplace we also see engagement in what's going on in things like i, don't, I mean it's not doing it happening now but the thursday evening eight o'clock clap for the nhs that's engagement that's huge engagement as a community as a group of people and even though that's stopped now we see other evidence of it going on going on uh, in other realms, in in society as a whole, not just in, in work. Yeah, I don't know about. That. I mean, the the whole NHS thing was engagement for what? I mean, my Still engagement. My experience of it. I don't know if you did it, but in my experience of it, and we've got a lot of neighbours around. So I tell you what, I was thinking as I was clapping, right. I wasn't thinking about the NHS when I was clapping. Mm. I was thinking, I wonder how long this goes on for before before people stop, right? Mm-hmm. And how 
clapped for and how many weeks are we going to keep this mm -hmm. right? and, and because at some point you, you, you clap like you say a minute right yeah well if you've got little kids clapping at the front door they love it right so they're not going to stop after a minute they're banging pots and pans and running around the street and doing that crazy stuff right so that was yeah. fun to watch that yeah. was fun to watch and they're in in that moment in that moment of engagement in that one tiny slither of engagement right where you could actually do something which was which in itself was futile right because standing outside and clapping for the nhs didn't change and the nhs hasn't suddenly got an extra three trillion pounds right because we clap for them no but i think the psychological doctors, impact of mm -hmm. that on on doctors and nurses I, I, we, we shouldn't underestimate that neither you know the fact that they felt for the you know, even if it was only one minute a week that the country was behind them and supporting them if they took that attitude now there's no guarantee that they would have done but uh, some of them will and that's a positive psychological impact on them and we can't mm -hmm. deny the 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 power of a positive psychological impact just as we, we you know as, because it's the corollary yeah i can't even say that the opposite of your argument Fear reduces the immune response and, and reduces people's ability to act. Then that positive psychological impact is doing the exact opposite. Right. I'm talking right. over you a little okay. bit. Okay, so I agree with you. The the internet. Keeps I agree with you. hundred percent. No, that's fine. I like it. It kind of creates the illusion. You're you're not letting me speak, and you're forcing point on top of me and i like that Karen. that's good um okay. it's um <laughs> well i think we've lost uh, we've lost paul just as he was uh, enjoying the moment uh, we've lost him so we'll go to another uh, track uh, another song and uh, we'll be back after this break And welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Paul and Gareth on Well Engaged and Lineheart Radio 107.3 FM and on the internet. Uh, do get involved if you uh, like to contribute your topics, ideas, questions. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. But before yeah, that, definitely. before that track, we were just uh, um, debating vigorously the uh, the government's response to the coronavirus and. Uh, various aspects of it and i think i just um expanded my view on on a few of the points you'd make paul so uh, maybe it's your turn yeah, yeah. if there was more of us it would be a vigorous masturbate so yeah i agree with what you're saying about the um uh the, the, the doing taking a positive action to go out and clap for the nhs for a minute right yeah a, a minute a week is what you get of doing something active that's positive. <laughs> yeah, that's one minute. How many minutes in a day? Uh, well, there's 24 hours times 60. It's, uh, what is it, 1,600? Yeah, whatever. You get my point, yeah. It's like, um, and yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. That one minute is probably one of the most memorable and engaging minutes of the whole day even if it is out of your comfort zone because you feel a bit silly because 
you don't want to know, you don't want to clap too loud, right? Because yeah. that would be like egotistical and like, you know, oh, look at me, I'm clapping really loud. Um, and uh, you're still not really sure because these people that you're clapping with are your neighbors and you suddenly realize that you don't know their names mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't talk to them, right? But they live 20 meters away from you, but you never talk to them. Yeah. Right. So it's just reflecting back all the all the less good components of our society, right? Which can then be changed, yeah, right? because because it's been reflected back to you. Now you you can do something about it. You've got a capacity to turn it around and change it. Yeah, totally. Oh, there's lots of potential. You know, good to come out of it for sure. But um, I don't think clapping for the NHS for one minute is in any way comparable to you know that one minute of of, of good thing to help promote people's health compared with the other 1,500 minutes of a day, right? Where people are being conditioned and scared and confused, mm-hmm. right? It's like you, you, you told me once about the, the benefit of saving money on your expenses. So you want to try and reduce the cost of your expenses because that's, re- that's reducing, that's subtracting from your, your expenses, which is a worthwhile exercise. Yeah. But if you spend the same amount of time and energy and resources on learning how to increase your profit, yeah. right? the return from increasing your profit is way bigger than reducing your expenses. Yeah. Right. So why are we focusing on reducing our expenses when we can clearly make huge, huge, huge gains in our profits and by profit, I mean health profit. I don't mean financial profit. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think this exercise, what it does is it kind of, we, we kind of stumbled across two things that I think is really obvious. One of them I hinted at last week, which was a sort of really dark understructure of child trafficking and sex abuse, right? That involves our royal family and involves members of high society. And um, that's something we've tripped over, but we don't talk about because it sounds conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And we, we risk our reputations if we talk about this stuff. We don't want to be seen as a crackpot because we might lose business. It's like, yeah, okay, we'll just ignore the elephant in the room then. I think that's a way bigger problem than, than health than the coronavirus, but yeah, we, we focus on coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that came out of it was the fact that um, for a brief moment in time, you know, we, we, we stopped our economies and, you know, to a large extent, not a complete extent, we've kind of demonstrated the fact that we could do this, right? We don't mm-hmm. have to have economies. We don't have to have economic growth. We could just be human beings, right, with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And sure, everybody's going to want to go off and play computer games and, you know, drink loads of beer or, you know, whatever people will do when they drift away in their own little world. That's what they're going to want to do when they don't have to go to work. Mm -hmm. But just like kids on summer holidays, they're really keen to get back to school at the end of the summer holiday. They're desperate to get out at the end of the term, but they want to get back in at the end of the holiday. Mm. Uh, especially if you've got a purpose, especially if you've got social interaction, especially if you're of service to someone, right? Mm Then, and especially if you're being acknowledged for that service, like we were acknowledging our supermarket workers, we were acknowledging the people in the NHS for the services that they provide. Yeah. Where's that gone? It's gone, right? So now we, we're back into the economics. We're now back into the system that says, well, I make more than you, so therefore I don't have to acknowledge all the good work that you do. Because mm. my role is more important and I, I, I need to drive my top of the range Range Rover and all this keeping up with the Joneses has come back in. Whereas when it closed down and we stopped caring about money and we started caring about the real things that matter, these people were, were then retarget, rebranded, um, you know, key workers. They were essential workers. We can't function. We, it's not the fact that the economy can't function without these people. We can't survive without these people. 
Yeah, that wasn't necessary. I take your point, and maybe I'm just being picky, but that wasn't the sole uh, definition of a key worker. One of the things that you know, stood out to me about that whole key worker thing was that journalists were considered key workers. How was that keeping us all alive? Yeah, that's exactly true, right? So, you know, you asked me when I was king, if I'm king, uh, what would I do? And I would say, well, I would, I would ban processed food and I would ban the media. Yeah. Right? Because then you're, you're taking out the two biggest guns that the government have got about keeping people sick, right? I mean, if you're banning processed food, if everybody's, if there's no alternative, you, you eat whole food, right? you'll be healthier by a mile, right? And if you're banning the media, then you're stopping the government from shutting people's immune systems down with fear. Yeah. Problem so, solved. Ban the media, so that, that's interesting because isn't the media supposed to be the the, the channel whereby uh, you know, democrat, democracy really works and, and fights against uh, evil despots and, and dictators because it gives freedom of speech and allows everybody to have a point of view and for that then to to prevail over dictatorship um you know that freedom of speech is that that really valuable and important human right apparently um yeah. that, that we should have you know it's written into the american constitution i'm not sure about ours but um well we have an unwritten constitution don't we where it's it's part of our unwritten constitution yeah so yeah. a really important right if you know i'm not sure about it being a right but uh, that's what that's the way it's described yeah so we've got a right to free speech right mm -hmm. so what about all the censorship of everybody's opinions who has an alternative to the government's narrative being removed from the internet i i agree completely so we haven't got freedom of speech well we technically we have got freedom of speech so when i say ban the media i'm not saying that you know if all the journalists who have a job in the media or the editors and all the people that go along with that or the back yeah. staff and all that sort of stuff you still need to find employment for them now if they're journalists there's a reason why we have media there's a reason why people are journalists right and it's because they're really articulate and they can put together you know opinions whether you like it or not that state yeah. the facts right but we don't have that in our media this is a propaganda machine mm. that dictates people's emotional states and um you know, if there was an attack by another race of alien, right? And yeah, sure, we've got to pull together and 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 and, and become one, right? There's, there's there's a common enemy that unites us. We might not be united in peacetime, but we can be united against them, right? Um, a virus is not an alien. Uh, it, it, it's not something that we, we, we is bonding us together. In fact, it's driving people apart and creating yeah. separation and division concerning their health right so it's not like brexit that forced people to to choose a side uh, and cause a lot of arguments and frictions amongst friends or family it's not like um you know the inception of the nhs would, would, would probably get people to think uh, about voting labor as opposed to conservative this is yeah. you could even say it's not even like you know uh, northern ireland having catholics and protestants in your own family i mean families would be ripped apart if they felt differently about god right mm -hmm. This is none of that, because that's all hypothetical, right? It might exist, it might not exist, right? Mm -hmm. There might be a benefit to conservative, there might be a benefit to labor, but all these things are man-made constructs. When we talk about health, it's the real deal. It's the only thing that counts. I mean, it's the role of health. The, the, the health is the absence of disease, right? 
but you, you can't get rid of disease, <laughs> right? Um, but you just need to line up, right, all of your resources in accordance with what is designed to give you health. And the media yeah. don't do that. And, and, and processed food doesn't do that. No, I, I agree. There's lots of elements that are counterproductive to our health in, in modern society. Just to pick up on a couple of points there, it's interesting sure. you, you, you draw a contrast between aliens landing and how we can all pull together about that and, and the virus, which, which isn't an alien. And yet that's all just a perspective, isn't it? Because you could say that the, the virus is an alien because it, it originated in China. Um, so it's an alien to us in this country, which takes a small world view, perhaps, of the you know geolocalization. You know, we're different; we're in a different place, so it's an alien. But that's just the same as an alien from another planet, because you're just saying, well, they're not from this planet; they're from another planet, so they're an alien. It's just the same as, well, they're not from the UK; that's from China, so it's an alien. It's an alien species. So. Yeah, I don't necessarily see the distinction there. I think it's just for a difference in perspective, and maybe okay. they should be treating the virus in the same way as we would treat an alien from another planet. Who's to say um, that the alien from another planet wouldn't be a microorganism? Well, that's true, isn't it? Um, that's true. Yeah. So, um, if it was an alien, it, it, there's this thing about if 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 life had a chance to exist anywhere else, it probably wouldn't have put iron in the middle of its of its heme structures, right? Because it's, I think it's, it's more more abundance. I think with other other metals. Mm. Oh no, no, it was to do with the role of protein. You know, the, the role of proteins. Proteins are very, very complex molecules. They're very, you know, irregular shapes. Mm. Um, there are there are there are more efficient mechanisms of of, of passing on your genetic material than than, than using a protein. Well, proteins don't pass on genetic material. They, they are the the machines of the body, aren't they? The, the genetic materials in the DNA and the deoxyribonucleic acid. Um, I have to go back and, and, and relearn what I learned about that. And the amazing thing about proteins is, is how incredibly versatile they are. You know, you say they're complex, and they are. Um, but in, in a very simple way, they're made up of 20 building blocks, 20 amino acids. Mm. And all of those building blocks have the same basic structure that they're called amino acids because they've got an amino function, they've got an acid function, and then they've got a, a third function, which is what makes them different between the 20 different amino acids. Put those 20 together in a different sequence for every different protein that we've got in the body, and it can create ev everything from hemoglobin that you've mentioned to a hormone like oxytocin or a structural protein that you might find in ligaments and cartilage or uh, an enzyme that breaks down starch in your GI tract in, and forms it into glucose so you can absorb it. I mean, all of those amazing diversity of functions that you get from proteins, it's incredible. Yeah, I think I made a mistake there, but that just illustrated beautifully your level and depth of knowledge about uh about these things you're right absolutely right i don't think it was proteins i think it was carbon based life form <laughs> i think the carbon was the thing that was right. unusual um 
if life was to form on another planet, it's highly unlikely that it would be carbon based because it's really strange how life chose carbon mm. to, to, to form its building blocks anyway. I, I can't remember where I, I'd have to go back and, and pull up on that. But yeah, I like guess the fact science fiction writers have, have um, often got, um, what's the word, obsessed with the idea that silicon might be a better uh, building block for, uh, for life forms. I don't know what the basis of that is, but you often uh, come across silicon life forms, don't you, as a, as a yeah. science fiction. Uh, just excuse me, I've got a coronavirus sneeze coming. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> you got a sneeze coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cover your eyes and nose and mouth, folks. I'm about to sneeze on air. There we go. Uh, no, it's gone now. So yeah. I'm sure there's another point when you, you're talking about aliens and, and, and vi versus viruses. You made another point, which I was going to come back to as well, and I can't remember what it was now. Yeah, so the idea was that we could unite against the common enemy, right? Yeah. Well, to unite against the common enemy is, is from an, an alien form, right? So from, from somewhere from outer space, it's very different from a virus, which is something that we, 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 we've already, we know what viruses are, right? We've got the capacity to deal with viruses. Uh, as long as we have healthy systems in place that will, can deal with them, right? So again, it's like healthy. The, you don't see this as a kind of warfare still, though, where um, a, an arms race escalation, where you know, we, we do, as a species, understand how to deal with viruses, bio, biologically, I mean, not economically, yeah. and because clearly we don't know how to deal with it economically, um, or even from a pharmaceutical point of view. Biologically, our bodies have defences against viruses and yet you know nature is incredible at throwing up new um challenges if you like you know so developing new viruses yeah happens all the time yep. and that's a challenge to us biologically because we've never come across that one before we've got the general mechanisms to fight against viruses but we don't have the specifics specific immunology to deal with that particular virus and in this case this particular virus exactly yeah and that's a kind of nature arms race isn't it yeah. we see in other we, ecologists are quite used to it the um the 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 bats or a precursor to bats um catch insects insects start to become evolved to avoid being eaten by bats so then bats develop a sonar system so that they can echolocate them even when they're masking their, their flight. And, you know, this, this arms race in evolution has been, it goes on in all sorts of realms in, uh, and there's fantastic examples of it. And, yeah. and this is another one, you know, it's the viral world against the human world and they've just thrown up another, another super weapon against us. Precisely. So what's the solution to that super weapon? Well, the, the solution is, you know, as you've said, we can't come together and fight against it. The solution is for us to come up with a super defense. Isn't Which, it? Completely. Absolutely. So how are you going to get the immunity? How are you going to develop the memory cells? How are you going to develop the, the specific immunity to a particular virus without exposure? You can't. And that's my vaccine. point. You need exposure. The vaccine. Well, okay, if you take the vaccine approach, you're still exposing yourself to the virus. Mm -hmm. That's right. right. 
Yeah. So you, you still you still exposure. You still have exposure to a virus. It's not like yeah. having a vaccine means that you don't have ever come into contact with the virus. You, you you're loading yourself with that virus, right? That's in right. order to develop immunity against it. So you're you're trying to speed that process up. Yeah, yeah, so it's not the it's a deactivated virus or it's a portion of the virus. Um, you don't act, don't necessarily have to expose yourself to the the virus or the whole virus. Yeah, um, and so and so so let's say let's say that that's a successful mechanism, which I can see the logic of. I mm -hmm. can totally understand the logic of it, especially if we can just put all this behind us and get on with it. Mm -hmm. And then what happens to that virus next year? And what happens the year after that? And what oh, happens and 10 is, years after now when it mutates in a big way? That's right. And th But this is the, the arms race that we're in, isn't it? And th that's what nature's all about. And this is what we have to, um, as individuals, biologically, or as, as a society, that's part of the battle that we're in and that we sometimes forget we're in. But, and I think that's an interesting part of this. You've said there's nothing more important than health. And I, I agree with you. But I think there's something that is overlooked in that, is, and that's culture. You know, none of us exist as individuals alone. No man's an island, as they say. We exist and we thrive as people, as you've said, because of social interaction. And, and a lot of that is around culture. It's around civilization. So health, there's nothing more important than health other than maybe our culture. Yeah, and so there's two ways that we can fight this virus. You know, if, if we survive and thrive as human beings because of our innate health, but also our innate culture, then we've got two weapons. We've got our biological weapons, and we've got our cultural weapons. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and to me, our cultural weapons are. You know, the things that we're good at as human beings collectively, you know, and one of those things we could argue is medicine, although you might argue differently. Uh, another one is the ability to pull together in, in different ways to, to combat it. So, you know, we've gone through the lockdown, rightly or wrongly. We all pull together to make that happen. Um, and maybe as we come out of lockdown, there are other ways that we pull together to, uh, to combat the virus. Yeah. So, good point. You've got biological weapons and cultural weapons, right? The biological weapons is the stuff that's going on innately, right? It's the stuff that you don't have any control over. That's the stuff that's really been keeping you alive all of yep. your life, right? Yep. It's the stuff that's been keeping your ancestors alive in order to reproduce all of your life, right? Yep. And uh, it's the same biological weapon which shuts itself down if you get chased by a lion because you don't need to be dealing with viral infections while you're being chased by a lion. It's pointless, mm -hmm. right? To get eaten by the lion, doesn't matter how much virus you've got in your system or not, right? Yeah. So we know that. We know that system exists and it's really clear to test it and demonstrate the fact that the fear shuts down the immune system. So don't mm -hmm. scare people. If you want them to be healthy, don't scare them. I, I them agree. The, I completely agree. Yeah. Tell them the truth, right? And then empower them with the knowledge of the things that they can do themselves to get themselves out of trouble, right? Yeah. And that's not really any different in business, is it? I mean, um, you know, the biggest uh, problem that I faced in, in trying to turn my business uh, experiences around and become positive was the fact that I was scared, you know? I was yeah. in a stressful circumstances, like most business owners get at some point. And when you're scared, you can't make effective decisions. If you're wise, you'll know that you're scared and you'll know that you can't make effective decisions. 
So you stop making decisions and mm-hmm. you just hope that something happens and it fixes itself, right? Yeah. Well, okay. That kind of is a little bit like if you stimulate the sympathetic nervous system and we activate the fight and flight response, right? Now, if, you, if you're experienced in, in fighting, right? You say you train martial arts, right? And you, you've got a little bit in your repertoire. You've got experience. You've been sparring. You've been taught how to punch. You've been taught how to dodge, right? If you have a fight and flight response, and you know that you're capable of fighting, you're much more likely to go and face that confrontation. If you haven't got the experience or the skills, yeah. you, you can go into the confrontation, right? And, and you might even be confident and expect to win. But in your heart and in your mind, you know that your opponent may well have training. And if you haven't, pretty quickly, that's going to become clear, right? Mm-hmm. So your next option then is if you haven't got the skills or you haven't got the experience is to run away. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I would say that most humans are incapable of running away, right? Their physiology just can't do it, right? Structurally, they just can't keep running. So you can't keep running forever, right? At some point, you have to stand and face it. And then you're still struck with the same example as I just gave you, which is the fact that you don't know how to face it. You don't have the skills or the confidence to go for that confrontation. So what happens, in effect, is that fight and flight response turning into, I'm not going to do anything because I can't do anything. Yeah. I don't want to look weak and run away and I don't want to get smashed in the face with a fight. So I'll just stand here and hope that something else comes along. Someone yeah. else will come along and save this situation because I've mm-hmm. now incapable. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's what happens if you, if you don't have the, the knowledge or the experience about how the immune system and how health and disease works. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Whereas if you've got those skills and tools to your <laughs> advantage and you can implement them, you don't have to have the fear. In fact, you realize that this, this fear is actually being caused by the people who are telling you how to, how to solve the situation. Mm. You know, yes, there's yep. an issue. There's, there's something that has to be overcome, but we yep. can't overcome it in this way. No, no that's right. Yeah, and I think we, we have to recognise that we're we're evolving as a society, aren't we? As as a culture, yeah, our, our biology has been evolving for billions of years. But this society, perhaps it's been evolving as well for several thousand at least, if not tens of thousands of years. But it's it's quite new, and and where we're at right now is in a very different place than we've been before. We've we've had fifty six seventy years of you know, without a major conflict on the planet. Before that, you know, the planet as a whole didn't really, you know, there was never a world war because how big was the world? We didn't know. Um, but a couple of world wars and that changed culture and society forever. And now we've been through a period of 70 years where we've had relative prosperity and particularly in the West, things have got very easy and we've got very soft. Uh, and now perhaps we have to face up to the fact that for all our skills at developing uh, pharmaceuticals, medicines, vaccines, we still going. We are still going to face the situation where nature knocks us sideways and gives us a very hard hit on the side of the head from time to time, uh, and makes us stop and think. And we now perhaps need to evolve our culture to the point where we start to think well. What do we need to do? And maybe this is the wake-up call that you're pointing to, which is that we have to focus on people being healthy, not having a health service which is there to uh, treat us when we're sick, but having a health service which is there to keep us healthy or to help us to take responsibility for our own health. It's even more important. 
and not just a health service, but you know, set up society in a very different way so that we can be healthier versions of ourselves or the healthiest versions of ourselves, whatever that means for each of us. Um, Even that the thing that should be looking after the, the, the level of health should also be interested and actively an active component of trying to help develop all the people that are alive. Because what's mm -hmm. the point of having seven, eight billion people on the planet yeah. if, if, if they're all incompetent? right there's no purpose to that there's no point to that but if we've got if we've got a process whereby we could help people to self-actualize right so mm -hmm. i don't mean that like you know we can make people self-actualize not like you're going to go to see your gp and you're going to spend seven minutes with them and you're going to self-actualize and could be the next einstein yeah. that's not what i'm getting at but mm -hmm. in order to get more einsteins if, if you just sort of just gradually just push the level of human performance and capability up yeah right um which means that you're going to have to start taking responsibility for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So, again, what's the most important component of anyone's life? Well, health, clearly. I mean, we can shut down the economy for three months. You can't shut down your, your lungs or your heart for three months. Yeah. Um, and so if, if we can start plugging people into taking responsibility for their health, then you're, you're pushing everybody up a notch. And it, and it becomes really clear. Like my, my brother-in-law, bless him, I love my brother-in-law. He's a really honest, kind, generous person and he's a grafter right he works hard at what he does and he, he works competently and he's fully engaged in the work that he does mm. but we were in a park the other day and i was playing hide and seek with the kids and he was getting embarrassed because i was hiding behind a bin uh, and then these teenagers were sat in the park which technically they shouldn't have been in because it was the park is for between um five and twelve year olds mm. But, and it's all on those signs, but you like live and let live. And it's like, okay, kids got to go somewhere. So let them in there. So the kids are looking at me and they're sort of as if I'm some sort of weirdo, which I suppose yeah. is natural because I'm a grown up in a play park hiding. I yeah. could be misinterpreted as a, as a, as a less than pleasing character, yeah. but it would be obvious from my role and activity with the kids and my wife and all the friends that we were with that I'm not that sort of person. But anyway, brother-in-law picks up on the teenagers reactions to me. I haven't seen the teenagers at all. I don't even know they're there. Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to get discovered in hide and seek. And um, he gets really embarrassed by it. And he's like, well, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, so embarrassing. And I'm like, hang on a minute. A, you've, you've registered the teenagers' responses. And B, you're reacting in a really significant emotional way that is shutting down your personality. It's shutting you down your freedom of expression and creativity. Mm -hmm. So you're going into your shell, into your bubble, right? And it's making you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're registering that and you're reacting to that in an emotional way, that to me suggests that that's the level that you're on because that's the frequency that you're tuned into and you're picking up and interacting with. Yeah. I can't comment on Radio 2's record of the week or pop master or whatever they're playing now right because i'm not tuned into it i don't know what's going on i'm tuned into you or having this conversation right so and likewise if i was listening to pop master i i'm not listening to you yeah now everybody's got a different wavelength right but depending on the choices you make and depending on the level of responsibility that you're prepared to take and the responsibility i mean by leadership for your own life Mm -hmm. will dictate what frequency you're in. So if you're 30 years old and you're reacting to teenagers' reactions in the park, it doesn't matter how many years you are, it doesn't matter how many miles on the clock you've got, yeah. mentally and emotionally, you're a teenager mm -hmm. because that's what you're interacting with, that's what you associate and register with. Yeah. So instead of being frustrated with my brother-in-law for 
um, you know, choosing to react in a negative way to other people's opinions, mm. it would please me more if he joined in and played hide and seek with us. Yeah. Right. But he's got a different opinion to me and his opinions of external validation by people that he doesn't know who are half his age, right. Making him feel uncomfortable. My, my, my goal, my whole thing on that is who's having more fun. Right, who's enjoying their experience here now? Who's appreciating the life and the experience here now? Yeah. Um, and so it suddenly struck me is that that moment in the park that if you just explain things to people in a way that they can understand and try and help to push them up, because if if, if we don't try to help push people up and along, right, nobody else is going to do it. Yeah. So again, you've got this natural selection process whereby you know, humans of any age will pick up on information that's relevant or, 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 or um, on their wavelength, if you like, on their level. And the likelihood is it, it, it tends to shut people down because we, we're so fixated on, on the Joneses and what other people think of us. Mm. Right? And, and so that creates fear and that, that shuts things down. So instead of just trying to uh, solve the problem by scaring people, right, which will shut down there, their, their freedom of expression so we've got freedom of speech but that doesn't count because nobody's saying anything anyway right? yeah. everyone's too scared to speak the truth right or we could educate people and, and, and engage them in activities that actually allow them to encourage and develop emotionally and mentally yeah as well as physically and just help push them up that hierarchical structure a little bit without them knowing yeah i mean otherwise you like the whole furlough we talked about it before there's selection processes going on here without us realizing it um, which is going to separate wheat from chaff. So we, we probably shouldn't uh, let this conversation about health go without um, referencing the, uh, the initiative this week from the government, the anti-obesity initiative. Mm -hmm. announced. Right, yeah. I didn't know they'd announced an initiative, but uh, yeah, well, if they have, well, they're, what, 40 years too late? But at least they're doing something, right? Yeah, they're, they're the best time to do it would have been 40 years ago, but the, the, the second best time is now. Um, what was their measure? What, what have they done about it? Well, I mean, I'm not, I just thought I'd raise it. I thought you'd have heard actually, given your um, interest in the subject, but um, I'm, I'm not sure about all of the measures, but um, they're focusing the NHS on anti-obesity. There's some talk about uh, extending uh, sugar taxes, there's some talk about reducing advertising on uh, fast foods and junk foods after nine o'clock, or before nine o'clock. Yeah. There was talk about uh, cycling and uh, getting people on bikes and bike schemes and um, uh, prescribing exercise and, and cycling on the NHS and that kind of thing as well. As again, uh, I don't know all the details and I'm, the way I say it, it doesn't sound very joined up and I'm sure that's because it's not particularly joined up at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Basically, Gareth, anything that the government comes up with, yeah, is going to be totally incompetent because they're the same people, the same processes, the same systems that, you know, like it's not, you don't have to be a genius. I am, I am not a genius, right? By any stretch. You just ask my family, right? I, I know quite a lot about a very small number of things uh, and I know very little about a lot of things. Uh -huh. Um, but I think most people would work out that, you know, I mean, the people that suffer, the young people that die of COVID related deaths, right? They're obese. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, this young lady died. She was working in a car. She was 21 years old. This was in Morpeth, right? 
Mm-hmm. She was a beast. Mm-hmm. And I had, interesting, this uh, interesting actually, yesterday I had a, a patient that was talking about a house and she was late getting to the appointment because she was helping her niece move house and the house mm-hmm. that they'd bought was three years old and, but it was in really, really, really bad condition internally. It was really filthy, it was disgusting. She said, you've never seen anything like it. It was worse than, you know, everyone's got an old relative who lives by themselves and they mm-hmm. hoard stuff for 50 years and they don't really clean anything. Yeah. She said, it, it was, it's worse than that. She said, I've had relatives like that and this, this, that was nothing, this was absolutely filthy. Mm-hmm. And it was owned, the, guy, the couple who owned there were an NHS nurse, male nurse, mm-hmm. and a teacher. The, 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 the wife of the partnership was a teacher. Okay, and uh, that just suddenly struck a chord with me because you've got you've got all these you know pressures on people to do their bit, right? But then the people who are working in the NHS and people who are working in school, right? Just one example. So I'm not saying all nurses and all teachers are like this, but it would be interesting to know. Is like clearly they haven't taken personal responsibility for their hygiene if they're yeah. living in that kind of environment. And we against health and disease, and you've got two key workers, yeah, every day who are going home into this diseased environment. You can see where there's there's holes in this. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I think the internet's breaking up, so let's uh, let's go to a, uh, another break, and then we'll pick this up uh, after this song. And welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Lionheart Radio 107.3 FM with Paul and Gareth uh, talking about health and well-being and engagement. And we've had a very engaging conversation this morning. Well, before that tune, we were just, um, that tune, that song, we were just talking about the government's response uh, initiative around um, anti-obesity as as their new initiative, coronavirus initiative. Yeah, it's just bonkers, isn't it? Like, for a start, if you want to get obesity out of the equation, stop selling processed food. Simple yeah. as that. And the fact that you're going to stop advertising after nine o'clock or whatever, well, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, the damage is done. You know, you're not going to stop it. Um, and uh, even if you took away advertising, it doesn't stop people. Stop advertising of smoking doesn't stop people smoking. Stopping the advertising of McDonald's isn't going to stop people eating McDonald's. It's just not going to happen yeah, unless that, that, you legislate against it. It's interesting, though, isn't it? The the immediate reaction from some of those companies or the organisations that represent those companies was: if you stop advertising before nine o'clock, then you will decimate the advertising industry and the food companies. Uh, and as you've just said that that just isn't true because it'll have no impact on people's desire to eat mcdonald's and yeah other other fast food Uh, and even if that was true even if that was true that just shows you the problem isn't it what's at the heart of their agenda right it's not about health that's right it's about people's profits right so again that just makes me angry like um as for the cycle lanes well okay yeah who doesn't enjoy going for a nice cycle but you know, remember, I spend a lot of time, most of what I spend my time with the work I'm doing now with patients is regressing all of the adaptations that they have built up over decades to a sedentary culture 
Mm-hmm. Sedentary culture that we've created, which is doing us absolutely no favors physically or mentally right. or emotionally, right? So you have to regress to get back to a place where you can regrow from, yeah. right? It's like if you had never learned to read, right? Uh, you can hide that, not easy, but you can disguise it and you can come up with strategies and techniques and, and, and ways of, of, of coping when, you, when you're under pressure. Yeah. But there's a lot of energy involved there. It might just be easier to just learn to read. Do you know what I mean? Mm. At some point, you have, to, you, have to, you have to go back to the heart of the cause of what was going on yeah. and correct it. So I wouldn't be bothering with cycle lanes because people, if, if people aren't walking well, they're not going to cycle well. And so you're just creating more physiological stress and damage. Yeah. You should get people walking and then you don't have to worry about schemes. that are going to cost billions of pounds to put cycle lanes in. You know? uh, uh, yeah, I think there's elements to this as well. Though I agree people have to get walking more and uh, you know, as a starting point, if you know, you've got to walk before you can run, as they say. And exactly. um, certainly in this case, you've got to walk before you can cycle. But the other element of cycling is, you know, we, what we shouldn't be doing is promoting cycling as this get out and do 50 miles to, to, to get fit. It, it's about replacing, it should be perhaps more about replacing cars with bikes, push bikes. Mm. And so you get your fitness and you're not as sedentary because you're cycling to work or cycling to the shops rather than uh, driving there you know it shouldn't be cycling to do that 50 miles five times a week kind of exercise which is that ridiculous regime that we we, we seem to be in these days that you know, we've got to hit the gym three times a week or cycle five times a week actually if we just took more you know didn't take exercise so much as we're active in between the things so walking to work or walking to the shops or even cycling yeah. out there yeah. um did more active jobs perhaps or worked while we were active even yeah um, then yeah. all of these kinds of things start to go away but it's about changing that culture again isn't it and you've got to start somewhere so maybe an initiative around cycling is a good thing as long as it isn't an emphasis on hyper performance sports bicycles that you can do 50 miles a week on or 500 yeah. miles a week on i very much doubt it's it- I'd be very surprised if it hasn't got something to do with the fact that, you know, the, 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 legis- the, the things that get suggested, right? So for a start, it's just a knee-jerk reaction by the government, right? So this we, thing's been yeah. in their face for months and months. In fact, we've known about the effects of obesity for decades, right? Yeah, now they're taking action on it because it seems to be the right thing to do. Okay, yeah. so what's the benefit of reducing obesity? Well, you're much less likely to get diabetes and then you're much less likely to have health implications, which is going to reduce your risk. And then we can beat this virus. Right? Sure, that will have an impact. But how long is it going to take people to get out of obesity? Right? You're talking about years and years and years and years and years of internalizing psychological trauma right? with a coping mechanism of stuffing sugar or hydrogenated vegetable oil into your mouth. Yeah, I mean, right. it, it's worse than that, isn't it? Because it's epigenetic, meaning that if your parents have been stuffing and your grandparents, you know, all of this stuff into their mouths, then your system has become, your biology has adapted based on what they've done. And now there's this tendency yeah. because they've done that. There's a tendency for you to become obese, even though even though you may have a, a diet which is relatively good 
you know, relatively short on the sugars and the, the high fat. You know, sure. You've still got yeah. this yeah. tendency to obesity. Yeah, and, and there's good research on well, that. There's an interesting mechanism. thing. Do you remember when I was talking about blue? Sorry, Paul, I talked to well, Yeah, so, you know, you're, you're all right. No, no, I like it. I like it. I like the fact that there's, there's, there's research about it. And, you know, well, we've lost Paul. He's just um, lost his internet connection. So let's go yeah. to another track yeah. while we get it back. Oh, he's here. He's here. Here again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my point is too is too uh... is to what <laughs> we've lost the internet again. We will go to another track. It's too uh, internet to allow me to. We'll go Wait, to a track. Uh, let the internet recalibrate, and then we'll come back to close out the show. Enjoy this one. Well, it looks like, uh, welcome back everybody. You're listening to uh, Well Engaged on Lionheart Radio 107.3 FM. Uh, it looks like uh, Paul has lost his internet altogether this morning and uh, can't make it back onto, onto the show. So it falls to me just to uh, close things out and say goodbye to everybody. Uh, wish you all a very good week and uh, good, good physical and mental health. Stay safe, stay well. I hope you've enjoyed the show this week and I look forward to uh, talking to Paul again next week and having you on the show. So do get involved if you'd like to send us your, um, drop an email and, uh, and get involved. We'd love to hear from you and uh, include your comments, questions, opinions on the show. Uh, until next week, have a great week, everybody. Uh, we'll see you out with one final track and um, have a great weekend. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Well Engaged podcast. Hope you enjoyed the conversation today. Uh, tune in again for another chat between myself and uh, my co-host, Paul Tootleman. Same time next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>